0: Yeah. Well, and let me add a few more creative ideas, right? So if you're one of those people that is like, absolutely not, I am not going to live with anybody else. I want my own house or whatever. Right. So if you're going to be that rigid, there's other creative ways that you can offset your mortgage. You can turn your house into more of an asset than a liability. One of those is uh, Airbnb in your house, like on a weekend, One weekend a month, right? So you go away for a weekend a month and go, you
1: know. A great book can totally challenge your conventional thinking and change your life for good. However, some of us just don't have the luxury of time of sitting down to read a book. But there are some instances in which we do have dead time. And these are perfect times to learn. So we can learn while driving instead of jamming to the same music on the radio. Or maybe at the gym. Well, now you can dwelling has partnered with amazon's audible to give you the dwell listeners a free book yes a free book so all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash dwelling and download your free book this will also be in the show notes you can click on the link and if you don't have a book in mind and you say oh i don't actually know where to start with well awesome because i can tell you what to start with today it's a quintessential classic it's called rich dad poor dad so download rich dad poor dad And that would basically just take your mind on a different spin. Of course, I'm always open to hear um, from our Dwell listeners. So email me at at ola.dwelling.com. And then feel free to also give us a a rating and review. This really helps us to rank better in iTunes. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on The Dwelling Show. I'm your host, Ola Dantes. We've got an incredible guest with us today.
0: Hey, Kamala, how are you doing? I'm great. Hola, how are you?
1: Doing great. Doing great. Let's jump right into it. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and what you've been up to lately?
0: You but uh, yeah, so I um I'm Camilla and I've been a long time real estate investor, so I've been investing in real estate for about 18 plus years and um started out doing the small things, right? I think a lot of us start out that way, we, you know, trying just fiddling in real estate, trying to figure out our way and our path, um, and so did, did a bunch of small things, but then about took me about 15 years though to realize that I didn't have to do everything myself. And that's the that's the funny thing about the about the journey is you start out thinking that you have to do everything yourself. Um, and then 15 years into that journey, I was burnt out. I was like completely burnt out landlord, I was so tired. I have five children at that, you know, and I was like, What is going on? This is just too much to manage all these properties and and the kids. And uh, and so I was looking for a different way to invest. Um, and then I figured out, you know, I thought, well, maybe I can invest in an apartment, right? If I sell all those small things and buy an apartment complex, I thought I should be good. Well, I went and looked at apartment complexes and they cost millions of dollars. I'd never bought anything in the millions before. I was like, I wasn't even comfortable talking about million dollar stuff. And, um, and I was like, well, and then I kind of looked at my bank account and like, well, sure enough, I don't have a million dollars in there. So there's no way I'm going to be able to buy this apartment complex. So, So I educated a bit more. And then I learned that actually it's not very often that people buy an apartment complex on their own, right? It's not a DIY type thing. It's more group investing. And I was fascinated by this concept of group investing and that, you know, for one, I wouldn't have to do all the work anymore, and I was really excited about that because I was so burnt out. And so I I joined a group investment, and I joined as a passive investor first, and I was excited about that because like I mean I can like just put my money in and own a piece of a real estate asset, still get all the cash flow, the tax benefits, the appreciation, and equity buildup that I was used to with all my small things, um, but I can do it in a way that I don't have to do anything. To the property, right? I don't even have to go look at it if I don't want to, um, and that was so cool. And I got so excited about passive investing that I launched Steady Stream Investments, which is an, a passive investing education company, um, and I educate passive investors, specifically first-time passive investors, how to get involved into a, a you know real estate deal. So I educate them, and then I go out and I vet different markets and partnerships and teams, and I and I handpick the best ones, and then I bring them to my investors. To um, have an opportunity to participate, and so now I'm also a general partner on a lot of real estate um, deals in, a, in apartment complex and assisted living, and that's what I'm up to today.
1: So I want to definitely get back to the to the beginning because most folks that actually listen to this podcast, are, you know, just starting or looking to get started anyway, they don't have you know a thousand units um, yet, so just tell us a little bit more about the, the small things you mentioned that you were doing. So what were those small things? Um, or maybe just tell us your first deal actually, and just kind of tell us what were those small mm-hmm. things that you did. So folks that are listening, maybe they are doing those things right now and you know, you can be aspirational to them.
0: <laughs> yeah. So um, my journey started out in a converted uh, detached garage garage apartment type thing. That's where we we were living. So I was young and married. Both my husband and I were in school at the time, um, both trying to get our bachelor's degrees, both working part-time. So we had no money, right? Like that's all a setup for, we were very, very poor and (laughs) living on slim, slim, slim funds. Um, And so we living in this garage apartment and it was really crappy apartment, but it's all we could afford and the our landlady came around to collect rent one day and i looked at her and i just said you know i know you own a whole bunch of properties can you like how did you do that right so i just took one simple step and that was to ask someone i saw who was doing real estate and you know she kind of told me you know her journey and stuff and then she said you know what you should do you should buy a house I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I like, I'm living in your gross garage apartment, right? Like you, we don't have any money. And, you know, and and then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh yeah, because she was a realtor. So I was like, oh, she has ulterior motives or something. She just wants to get our, you know, get paid. (laughs) And uh, she says, no, 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 listen, Camilla, this is what you can do. You go and you buy a house that has a basement apartment and then you can rent out that apartment. And there's all sorts of first-time homeowner programs that you can get into. So it would be very little money down, very, the very best interest rates. So your mortgage payment would be really low. Um, she's like, of course, the mortgage payment would be higher than what you're paying in my garage apartment, but you offset that by the income from other tenants. And I was like, hmm. And that's exactly what we did. We went out, and we so we went from living in a nasty garage apartment, and we bought a six-bedroom home, like this giant home. You you actually listened
1: to the lady. You actually listened, and you said, "I did."
0: Yeah, I did. Yeah. So we buy this six bedroom home has three bedrooms in the basement with a, you know, with a kitchen had its own separate entrance and it was really nice upstairs. And we lived in this three bedroom home and the house had a pool in the backyard. Like how cool is that? Wow. And so here's the, here's the most amazing thing is that house cost us $150 a month to live there. Because the tenants were offsetting almost all of the mortgage. And so we were paying less than the garage apartment. And I think this is what's so powerful about, and the new term is house hacking, right? So anybody who's just looking to get into real estate, I think the very first thing you've got to do is house hack. Now. Okay. Let's talk, uh, talk about the objections to it. Cause people, I know people are going to be like, but I don't want to live with other people. Okay. I get it. Right. I it's not the most comfortable way to invest, but if you are serious about, you know, getting your wealth journey started and you're in a situation like I was with no money, no nothing, living in a nasty place, this is the path, right? And that was the jumping off point for us. Um, and then we went on to do a bunch of other t- different strategies, but that was the, um, that was the main thing that we did to get ourselves into a better place.
1: And yeah, I want to, I want to touch on something you said, and cause I started house hacking as well. <laughs> That's how I, I got started. Yes. with house hacking. <laughs> um, Like one of the objections people say, like, I'm living, you're not living with Anybody else, because usually if you were to buy a duplex, for instance, you would have two separate doors, two separate bathrooms, two separate kitchens, two separate everything. Yes, you are in a structure where there are two people or two families whatever, but you don't actually live in the same space. Um, with them and if you're living in a big apartment complex anyway you're living with other people (laughs) you just don't share the same toilet kitchen whatever (laughs) so you know that's you know that's my answer to that objection anyway (laughs) so yeah yeah. Well,
0: and let me add a few more creative ideas, right? So if you're one of those people that is at like, absolutely not, I am not going to live with anybody else. I want my own house or whatever. Right. So if you're going to be that rigid, there's other creative ways that you can offset your mortgage. You can turn your house into more of an asset than a liability. One of those is, uh, Airbnb in your house, like on a weekend, one weekend a month. Right. So you go away for a weekend, a month and go, you know, go stay with your sister or your mom or whatever. Right. And rent out your place for one weekend a month. I I know a guy in California who does this. He has He owns a condo. One weekend a month is all it takes for him to pay his mortgage on that condo. So he lives there for free the whole time. No way. And he goes and stays on someone's couch for a
1: weekend. Wow. Wow. That is a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> All right. So you bought this, you bought this, you know, six bedroom asset. You were only paying $150. You were like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, this actually works. This this landlord lady who I thought wanted to make commission from us because she's an agent was actually right. Right? Yeah. What did you do next? Mm-hmm. Right. Because now you you have that epiphany of like, haha, uh-huh, this stuff works you could have stopped there and just go, I'll pay one hundred and fifty dollars for the rest of my life. And I'll just live here forever and ever. Yeah. What did you do next?
0: Yeah. So, so that, that was a, a big spark for me in, in that there is really something to real estate and I need to learn more about it and I need to figure out more strategies and figure out ways that we can really grow, um, grow our wealth. So, uh, meanwhile, we had our first baby. So we had a baby in the end in, in there and, um, and so we're trying to figure out and we're trying to finish school and, and be done with that, right? So as soon as we both graduated from school um, and our baby was two at the time, um, we're like, okay, what's next, right? What's next? So we had lived in that, in that house hacking part, um, uh, that six bedroom home for about two years um, and so as I was learning and reading more, we wanted to try a fixed wrapper. So, you know, the house that we lived in didn't need too much fixing or whatever. It was fine. Uh, but we wanted to try a fixed wrapper and we wanted to kind of learn those skills. And, and especially my husband, he was itching to, uh, you know, redo a house, and, you know, cause we'd watched a lot of HDTV and it looked awesome. It looked really fun.
1: Right? Be careful. The side <laughs> effects of watching HDTV varies. <laughs>
0: I know it does for sure, um, but but that's what we did actually, and it turned out to be very successful for us. So it's the the method is called the live in flip, um, which is where you buy a fixer upper and you move in. And the reason you move in is because you can get the best financing. So you get owner occupied financing, so very low down payment. Again, we still have no money, right? <laughs> we're still very low on funds, um, and so you move in, really low down payment, and the best interest rates. And then you live there and you fix up the house and you can fix it up as fast or as slow as you want, right? But here's my advice. What we did is we tried to get it fixed up within two years um, and then we would move out and rent it for the next three. Now there's a very specific reason that it's two plus three and that's because of taxes. So if you study the tax law, the capital gains tax, you owe capital gains on on a property, um, unless you have lived there, owner occupied it for two of the last five years, right? And so that's the strategy that we went after. So we would buy a home, we live in it, we'd fix it up, and then we'd move at, you know, after two years, we'd move and we'd do it again. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat for 15 years. Okay. now, again, people are going to be like, oh, my gosh, that is so crazy because you're a we're living in a construction zone for all of our life and we make the house really pretty. And then we move and we don't live in a pretty house (laughs) ever. Right. So, okay, yes, uncomfortable, not not the most, you know, beautiful space to live in but it's actually very, very satisfying. And especially for people with children, Um, I think this is a really great method because what it has done for me. So we had five children through that journey, you know, and so we're bringing babies and little kids into it. And then the kids are growing up. Well, the kids are growing up not knowing anything different other than we work on houses and we fix houses and we talk about investing and we have, this is a very normal part of their life. In fact, my teenagers came home the other day. It was so funny. And one of them's like, mom, my friend doesn't even know what a baseboard is. Can you believe that?
1: (laughs) That's so funny. That's so funny.
0: It, it worked. And it, I mean, it was a fantastic, um, you know, a fantastic way to to do that. Now, it's uncomfortable. Yes. Okay, we're moving. Yes, a lot. Yes. Right. But you know, people move all the time, like don't get stuck in, in one place. I mean, I think it's, honestly, I think it's a shame if people just let, grow up in the same place, the whole their whole life, and they never experience other ways of thinking other ways, other people, and you know, it's been really satisfying for our family to have those experiences to take our children into, I mean, one experience in particular, we moved from a, um, a place where it, where it was all very homogenous, right? So everybody looked the same, thought the same and did the same things. And then we moved to a place where suddenly we were the vast minority, right. And, and in every way, right. And, and like religion, I mean, not even just how we looked, but our religion, the way we thought about stuff, but, you know, the fact that we had five kids Everybody's like, whoa, you guys are weird, you know? (laughs) And so it was, um, it was amazing, but just this amazing experience for my children. So not just investing related, but life related, you know?
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. So I'm guessing after your second one, you'd have, you know, a lot more investments Then you go to a point where like, hold on a second. This is like you said, 15 years later, this is a lot of work. And that's yes. the part we yes. don't actually tell new investors. We forget that part. It's a, it's a ton of work, like unimaginable amounts of work. Mm-hmm. So you got to that point and you said, Hey, why not actually buy apartments? Um, you know, why apartments? Why not self-storage? Why not, you know, industrial? You know, why not build to rent or any of these other strategies? Why? I'm an I'm an apartment syndicator, so I'm just kind of curious to see why that asset class.
0: Yeah, well, because I knew houses right and and we had and we had also acquired a fourplex as well in there so we had done you know not just single family homes we've done small multifamily so it it felt like a very natural progression it felt like I understood that I understood apartments, you know, you know, rather than self-storage was different and foreign to me. But now that I've learned more about self-storage, I'm like, oh, well, it's very similar to apartment investing, right? It's a, You still have a tenant, you still have a unit and they pay the rent and you can, you know, do all the things. Um, but you don't have to deal with, uh, toilets and stuff. So that actually might be a plus for self-storage, <laughs> um, but it, it felt like a very natural progression for me. I didn't understand. And I studied industrial during my MBA. So my MBA program, I was part of the commercial real estate team and we actually did a, a like a, a, a competition where we pitched an idea about building a mixed use industrial, um, got really good feedback. Um, but you know, I don't know. I just felt like apartments was just natural. Makes and sense. in really high demand. Um, and the other thing about it for me too was impact. So I, um, I feel very strongly about creating impact in, in what I do, right? So in my work, I want to, um, I want to create safe clean and affordable housing for people to live. Because one of the basic necessities of life is having a roof over your head, right? And, and being able to have that with your families. And, and it was amazing as I, as I got to know my tenants throughout all this whole journey um, and, and kind of listen to them and their challenges. And because we were, are the places that we bought were very low um, for, for low income folks. And they, and so they were living there and it was just fascinating to hear their, their challenges. And, and, um, and I just felt very proud that our family could provide uh, this place for them to live and to, you know, grow, to make experiences with their children. Um, and, and I love that about um housing. And so that's why I, I'm sticking, I'm mostly sticking with housing in my um, large investing as well.
1: Fascinating. All right. So um, I'm going to move to the next barrier now. So you started with the small things, kind of worked your way up, decided to target apartment um, investing, buying large apartments. Of course, just like most people, when you saw your first deal, probably like 2 million or 10 million, whatever the heck it was, and you're like, oh my goodness, you looked at the number, you looked at your account, it's really no correlation. Happened to me too. How did you um, first, <laughs> how do you? Um, jump over that barrier to entry because that's what it is. Um, it's an unfair business. Um, and then, what did you actually do to get into your first, um, you know, apartment syndication or apartment deal? This is important for anyone listening, of course, to to kind of um, scale that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So uh, we, when I was looking at apartments and realizing that it's group investing instead of you know DIY. I was like scratching my head because, um, and I panicked too. And, and I was thinking, well, wait a minute. I have controlled every piece of my investing up until now. Right. And as a mother of five, you have to have very good control over your life or you're going to, it's going to like overrun you. And so I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to trust other people? Because listen, I was, I was that person in high school and college that when there was a group project assigned, I hated it. I hated the group project because I knew that I would have to do all the work because, uh, you know, and, and the other people around me, they were all excited to be on Camilla's team because, oh yeah, now we don't have to do anything. Camilla wasn't it all. And they were right because I cared Really, a lot about the grade, right? I cared about impressing the teacher. I cared about doing a good job. Um, and so now here I am, like looking at apartments and like this is group investing. If I can't trust someone to help me write a research paper, how am I going to trust someone else to run a multi-million-dollar acquisition? <laughs> like i just scratching my head and and thinking, you know. So I had to go through some pretty big mindset shifts. Um, to kind of relinquish that control. Um, But you know what happened about that? You know, at first I was so afraid of it, but now I'm so grateful for it because I'm in a position right now where I don't have to do all the work and it's so great. And it's so nice because I, I can now spend a lot more time with my family than I could before. Um, And of course I would drag the kids with me to go mow the lawns and things that are at our, at our places that we owned and, you know, they would help out. And I love that about our investing journey. Uh, But now that like my kids are teenagers, they're involved in all sorts of things. Right. And so they're, so I don't have to miss a tennis tournament because I have to be at the property to, you know, fix something because it broke last night. And, and so that's, what's amazing about investing, And so how, now let's talk about like the process, right? How did I find that first deal and feel comfortable investing in it? Um, So we were living in Arizona at the time and um, and I knew I wanted to buy an apartment complex. And so one of the first steps that I did was just educating myself. So I found books on Amazon. Uh, My favorite book that I found was called Crushing It in Apartments and Commercial Real Estate Investing by Brian Murray really great book, really great book. Um, and he actually says you can do it yourself, but I was like, I don't want to do it myself. <laughs> and, um, so read that book and then I found podcasts and I started listening to podcasts and, and just educating myself a, a ton on my commute to work. So I you know, get on the train and put my earbuds in and I would listen to a podcast every, um, every day to and from work about apartment investing. So one of the, the, Things they said was, well, you've got to get to know other people, right? So you've got to branch out and you've got to get to know these ones because I was not an accredited investor at the time either, right? And accredited for your audience, they don't know simply means that you have one of two financial um, metrics. One is you are already a millionaire, right? So you have a million dollars outside your personal home in assets and, or you have a income of personally $200,000 or more for the last two years or jointly with a spouse, 300,000 or more, right? We weren't quite there. And so I needed to find someone who, so what I had to do is as a non-accredited investor, you can still invest in deals. You just have to have a personal relationship with a member of the general partnership. And so how do you form a personal relationship? Well, here's another thing about myself, my personality is I'm an introvert and I get so, I, I panic when I go to places where I don't know people, right. And, and it's really hard for me to get to know other people at first. I take a long time to warm up. And um, and so I'm, I'm thinking, gosh, you know, Camilla, if you really want to do this, you have to Get out of your comfort zone, right? You have to do this. So, I like, I literally googled multifamily meetup in Phoenix, (laughs) right? And so, I googled multifamily meetup, and a bunch of them came up. You could go to meetup.com and do it, right? And that's what came up. Um, and so, I went to, I found one, and I'm like, well, let's go try it. And so, I went to this first multifamily meetup, and the people that were there, um, where there's only like eight of them. So it wasn't even that bad, right? So it wasn't that scary for me as an introvert. And we sat around a table, so that was good. So I was anchored in a spot because because those networking events that you go to where people are just wandering around and then like forming little groups and talking. No, I, I don't do that. <laughs> That's way too nerve wracking for me. So I found someone, you know, that that meetup, right? And from that meetup, one of, one of the people in that meetup, he joined a team that was raising money for a deal in Tucson, Arizona. So I felt good about the market. I felt, you know, when I looked at the deal and, and for me it was, a uh, okay, so I ha- I formed this relationship and it was probably six months later that I actually invested in the deal. It wasn't right away. Um, and, and that's something important too, is if you're, if you're looking for a passive investment opportunity, you're not accredited, you have to form a relationship, let that relationship, you know, let it simmer for a while. And before you jump in um, so you can kind of understand the person, understand what's going on. Um, But then, but then, yeah, I just said, okay, you know, yeah, I I think I need to do this. This is the right thing. I had to talk to my husband about it. And, and he had like a bajillion questions that I couldn't answer because I'm like, well, I don't know. Right. But I know that this is a good thing for us. I know that this will be a good thing in the future. I think we just need to trust that it will be okay. Right. And, and so we did like, and I remember my hand hovering over like the wire transfer. I mean, it was $50,000. It was not a small amount of money. And I'm like, Oh gosh, I hope this goes well. (laughs) I wired the money and do you know what? It's gone amazing. It is gone. I was about to say that
1: I was about to say that I'm sure it's like going really well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, we just, just in the last couple of months, that deal is doing a cash out refinance. So now I'm getting my capital back, but I'm staying in the deal, keep earning returns. They are just, I mean, they're just crushing it. And, and, uh, And really, you know, they're doing a, they're doing a great job.
1: So I'm happy. Fantastic. Good to know. Well, I can keep going on and on, but we're definitely, definitely dwelling into the quick rounds. These are going to be quick questions, quick answers. You ready? Ready. All right. First question. What makes you Camilla unique? What is that differentiating factor that separates you from the next girl or the next guy?
0: Uh, so one of the things that makes me unique is that I live outside of my comfort zone just barely all the time, right? And and I think and the, and the reason I say just barely is because I don't think that it's helpful for you to go way outside your comfort zone because now you're just swimming in this sea and you have don't you don't know if you're going to survive. But if you can take little small steps every day then your comfort zone just grows, just continuously grows in a very nice, steady pace. And and that's uh, that's something that makes me unique, is I'm constantly pushing myself to grow outside of my comfort
1: zone. Nice. Second question, what was the last book that you read? And what was the one thing that you picked up from the book?
0: Uh, So the book I'm reading right now is Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Um, and it's, you know, the subtitle is notes on startups or how to build the future. So it's really fascinating book about, um, you know, about how you have a startup and really, you know, once you get in, if you are a real estate investor, you're a real estate entrepreneur. Right, because it's it's such a natural. It's it you're definitely an entrepreneur because you are trying to build something that you haven't built before, um, and and grow this business and and definitely steady stream investments is a, a much bigger scale of what I was doing before, uh, because now I have team members and I have people that you know surrounding me and I'm I'm the CEO and I'm the founder and so I have to think differently and, and grow in a different way, um, and I love that about. And so this book is really helping me and and give there's a lot of really interesting takeaways in, in this in this book about um, you know how to really be more creative in what you're doing and, and really set yourself apart from others.
1: I love it. You're busy running your company, steady stream. What do you do for fun?
0: Oh, so I love anything outdoors, but right now I'm really loving playing tennis. Uh, So my teenagers, they got on the tennis team. We'd never been a tennis family before. And they were like, I'm gonna play tennis. I said, okay, let's try it. (laughs) And so we were trying it and I love it. I, I wanna take lessons now too. And you know, we go Sunday evenings, we'll go as a family to the courts and we'll play. And it's so much fun
1: nice if there's somebody listening and go wow i really like camilla i want to you know get connected with her what's the best place people can reach out get to know you more
0: uh, so two great places. So LinkedIn, I, I love LinkedIn. I'm all over LinkedIn. You can just find me by my name, Camilla Jeffs. And then also um, on my website, camillajeffs.com or studystreaminvestments.com. Either one of those are really great places to connect with me. And um, one of my favorite things is when people listening to a podcast actually do reach out
1: I and say, hey, I, I
0: heard you on the Dwellin podcast and I'd love to chat with you. Um, I'm so open to chat with anybody who hears me on the podcast. So please, please reach
1: out. Yeah, I I normally just tell them like I I didn't even know anybody was listening to this. I just kind of do it for I actually lose money doing this actually. (laughs) Because I I don't you know I don't get anything or get paid or you know so it's it's actually really fascinating and remarkable that people actually listen to it. So I, I love it. Well Camilla thank you so so much. Really appreciate your time today.
0: Thanks so much for having me on.
1: You may have heard the phrase, there are a thousand ways to make a thousand dollars in real estate. Well, now you can actually tune into the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast with over a thousand, believe it, or a thousand podcasts and still going. The best real estate investing advice ever show is hosted by a very good friend of mine, Joe Fellas. Joe talks to influential thought leaders. We share the best advice ever with none of the fluff. You've got to check this stuff out. So listen and subscribe at bestevershow.com. That's bestevershow.com.